Good morning and welcome to Cedar Valley Church. My name is Rob. And I'm John. That's true. And we're here to get the service started for you this morning. If this is your first time joining us, a special welcome to you. Welcome. Uh, we would love to get to know you better and be of any help we can, so give a shout at hello at cedarvalley.ca or comment online right now. Absolutely. The best way to stay informed about things going on in our community, actually, is by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or signing up for our weekly email newsletter at cedarvalley.ca. If you'd like a printed copy of that same newsletter, just let us know. Yeah. In regards to giving, um, we are very, very thankful for your ongoing support for the work and ministry of Cedar Valley Church through your time, prayers, service, and financial generosity. Uh, it all goes to help make our weekly ministries, programs, and connection to our community happen. Um, so if you would like to contribute to the work of Cedar Valley, you can give at cedarvalley.ca slash give. Um, yeah, thanks again. Yeah, thanks Cedar Valley. Thanks that we'd like you to be aware of, uh, or maybe an invitation in this case, we're inviting you to pack a shoebox for Operation Christmas Child. That's something for the whole family, actually, or, or just an individual. Either way, bring a smile and joy to a child this Christmas. Not only do they get the cool things that you put in the box, but they also get to hear about Jesus, the greatest story of all. Shoe boxes are in the foyer on campus here. Everyone, please take one and uh, plan to return that on Sunday, no by Sunday, November 14th, when we will distribute them to the local depot. Most every evening, there's something great happening here at Cedar Valley. If you're looking for a way to be engaged during the week or looking for a workshop or a support group, or a service opportunity. There's there's lots to choose from, and we'd love to chat with you and help you to find a good fit for you. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Um, we're gonna get the service started here shortly, being led in a time of worship singing, and there'll be lyrics on screen. We invite you to join in however you most feel comfortable. After that, we had a great lesson for the Cedar Valley kids about the good things that God gives us. Send a note to Pastor Douglas at douglas at cedarvalley.ca if you would like activity pages to go along with the lesson. Then after that, Pastor Rob is bringing... Pastor Rob. That's me. That's true. Yeah. Um, he's bringing us a message on, in our mission, vision, and value series. What? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Today our theme is unity. Um, how am I valuing relationships above my opinion? So we're going to pray and then we have a question for you. Can I pray for us? Please do. Let's go. Hey, Father God, thank you so much for this day. This day, which is another day you've given us to know you and to love others. I pray that you would come and guide and teach us through your spirit and that you would challenge us into becoming more and more shaped into the likeness of your son. This is... Uh, a tough message today. It's a personal message today. So I pray that our hearts would be open to hear it and to respond to what you would have us do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now you have a question for us. I don't do. You? Yeah. So, um, in regards to board games, love board games, or video games, or whatever. Sure. Um, are you. A competitive person when it comes to board games 
And if you are, what do you do about that? If you do anything about it. Yeah. If things get a little too heated. A little too dicey. Yeah. Give a signal. So this is from my wife, Jackie. Uh, I was watching a Hot Ones episode with Kristen Bell. And they asked her this question. In their home, they have a code word. is anaconda. Anaconda. Okay. And then they say to themselves, as, so when someone signals the word, they say as a family, and it's just a game. And they do this physical mo. So that's for my wife. That one there. Yeah. Do you have a code or anything? Um, You're pretty competitive. I am. I don't, I don't really do anything about it. <laughs> I just try to win. But. Talk amongst yourselves, Cedar yeah. Valley. <laughs>
Hey Cedar Valley kids, it is great to be with you again today. Now, have you ever wondered, maybe you've counted how many good things you've had, you have. Maybe it's like lots of toys or when you eat or maybe 
how many good pieces of candy you have left from Halloween from last week? Well, sometimes we kind of look at things and think, well, maybe I don't have enough. I wish I had more. But that's because we don't see all of the good things that God gives to us. So check out the table here really close. Come on in here. I've got something to show you. I've got a, a nickel, just a regular nickel. I've got an eyedropper and a little dish of water. What I'm going to do is let's see how many drops of water we can put on that nickel. All right. I think it's going to be more than we expect. Just like God gives us more things, good things than maybe we expect or even realize. So let's count. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. I'm going to need more water. Okay. About 18 so far. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Do you see how it's building up and bulging on the side? It's just about ready to burst. What was that? Was that 24? Let me get some more water here. 24. Oh, and that burst there. 24, that was a big, huge one there. We're going to try this again. I'm going to try. All right, we're going to see how many drops of water we can actually get on this nickel. All right, here's my little eyedropper. Here, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Let me get some more water. That's a lot. You can see how it's building up on the side there. That's more than I thought I could get on the head of a nickel here. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35. Are you kidding me? Look how full this is. See if we can get a few more on there. 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40. What do you think? Think we can get more before it bursts? Ah, oh, 41 and it burst. How cool was that? This just, we had no idea that could hold that many drops of water. But like God with his blessings, sometimes we don't realize it or expect that it would be that much. But it is. You know, there's two verses that talk about this. In the book of Psalms 23, verse 5, and we're going to check these out here. It says, my cup overflows with good things. Now, if we had a cup, it was like it just burst right over. God keeps giving us such great stuff in our lives, and sometimes we don't notice it. Then, Malachi, I love this one. Chapter 3, verse 10. God will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing of good things on your life. How cool is that? Now, if you've been walking around outside the last couple of days, you maybe have felt the windows of heaven open up with rain, and maybe you've been drenched. 
Well, God says, that's like the good things I'm going to be giving to you, like the heavens open up and blessings. So, way more drops of water on this little coin than I thought we could get on there. So, what I want you to do now, so while your parents are listening to the rest of the message, the service this morning, find a bowl, put some water in it, see if your mom can get you an eyedropper, and maybe a nickel, and you try. See how many you can get on there. And then let me know how many drops of water you could fit on a nickel. And then think about all of the good things that God gives us, way more than we even thought could fit in our life. Have a great week, and I'll see you next Sunday. Cedar Valley? In uh, a Peanuts cartoon, Lucy demanded that Linus change TV channels, threatening him with her fist if he didn't. What makes you think you can walk right in here and take over, asks Linus. These five fingers, says Lucy, individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Which channel would, would you like? Asks Linus nervously. Then turning away, he looks at his own fingers and he says to them, why can't you guys get organized like that? The original Hebrew and Greek words in the Bible for what is our English word, unity, are unitedness and oneness and harmony, like fingers working together to form a fist. That might be a funny non-Anabaptist way to think of it, but the Bible gives us three other metaphors to help us picture the meaning of Christian unity, a body, a building, and brothers, all parts coming together as one. We are in a series on our vision, our mission, vision, and values, and today we're talking about unity and the operative question, how am I valuing relationship above my opinion? Back to those definitions and those metaphors. Now you, says Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, are the metaphorical body of Christ. Paul isn't saying that we should act like a body. He's saying that the church is 
a body, the body of Christ. Not a pile of separated limbs going about the business of life on their own, like legs going for a walk without a brain to tell them where to go or feet to get them there, which is to say that unity is not so much something that we create as much as it is something that we sustain. So Christ's body, the church, will either function well or it will function poorly this way. The key is humility, not saying to ourselves such things as, well, we don't need each other, or as Paul puts it in that same chapter in 1 Corinthians, verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you, which is like, it's patently absurd to say those things, isn't it? But how often, by application, have we dismissed someone who thinks differently than we do? How often have we told ourselves that we'll, we'll just do something because they, whoever they are, will slow us down or they just won't get it right? How often have we withheld information or asked an intentionally embarrassing question or said something divisive or unhelpful? That's not body parts working together as one, nor is it a building with Christ as the cornerstone to carry on with the metaphors. In him, says Paul again in Ephesians chapter 2, in him, Jesus Christ, the whole building, the body of Christ, the church, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Christ the cornerstone. In him, we are joined together brick by metaphorical brick. The church built upon the person and the work and the way of Jesus Christ over thousands of years. Not built upon feelings or social media posts or debatable matters. Biblical unity is characterized by being grounded in the knowledge of God's truth and our alignment with it, with God, despite what others might think or do. Think for a moment, Joseph's brothers were united, weren't they, in their plan to kill him. Israel was united when they convinced Aaron to build for them a false god, a golden calf. Those that stoned Stephen were united in their thinking to kill him because they just couldn't stand to listen to his message anymore. Unitedness, I guess. Biblical unity, obviously not a chance. None of these stories are grounded in the knowledge of God's truth or alignment with it. But these are David v. Goliath. God's champion when no one else would step up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replying to Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to serve your gods when practically everybody else did. Jesus driving the businessmen out of the temple, grounded in God's truth, aligned with it. This is the biblical basis of unity. And then one more metaphor, brothers. Christians ought to look after each other, check in on each other when there is sickness, help the elderly, mentor the youth, 
provide for single mothers and widows, amongst other things. But overall, we ought to, this is easy to remember, I hope, we ought to one another, one another. By that I mean this. Did you know that there are 59 one another statements in the New Testament? I won't list them all because that takes too much time, but statements like these. Be at peace with each other. Love one another. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Bear with each other. And don't grumble against each other. And, and do these things, even when, maybe especially when, you might disagree with your brother or sister in Christ. This is the way of Jesus. Unitedness and oneness and harmony. Body and building and brothers. These are the things we should dwell on when we think about biblical unity. I really like the word harmony. You know what harmony isn't? It's not a solo. It takes separate singers, different notes to create harmony. It takes separate fingers on different frets of a guitar or on a different piano or different piano keys to make a chord. Parts working together as one. When you go to the orchestra to hear it, many times the first notes you do hear are chaotic as each individual player warms up on their instrument. The violin player plays her own tune. The oboe player plays his own tune. The result is an ununited cacophony of sound. But when the conductor walks onto the stage and all the players take his lead, beautiful music is the result. It's as A.W. Tozer mused in his book, The Pursuit of God, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. Jesus the conductor. There's my metaphor. What does unity in the church look like? From the words in the Bible used to describe it, unitedness and oneness and harmony, and from the metaphors used in the Bible to describe it, body and building and brothers, let's take a look at a specific example and make application. A specific example is the divide between those who are vaccinated and those who are vaccine hesitant. What would it look like for the church to act in unity on this complex and emotional subject? How could the church work together as one?
Well, let's start with this. Seek to understand those who disagree with you. Paul says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, which was to care for others at his expense, right? Jesus, before Pilate, could have called on his father, God, to send more than 12,000 legions of angels to defend him, to rescue him, but did what? He chose the cross for our sake, our interests. You could camp out a little on this thought that verse 4 doesn't say, don't look out for your own interests. It says, don't look out only for your own interests, leaving some wiggle room to look out for your own interests. But I think we would agree the thrust of these verses together is other-oriented, not self-interested. The loving and Christ-like way to diffuse the tension in a conflict or a tough conversation with someone is to try to figure out what the other person is feeling and thinking and saying before you try to convince them of your side. Start with, you go first, and then after they've shared, say something like, let me see if I heard you correctly, and then try to summarize what you thought you heard them say, leaving room, of course, for them to edit and make corrections. Just recently, and on this topic, actually, I didn't do this, what I'm describing just now, very well, but then I did. I sat with a friend last week who needed me to listen to him. Unfortunately, I came to the conversation in a, let's, let's just say, a, a fairly combative state or posture. That did not go well, right? So badly, in fact, that my friend got up to leave. So I tackled him and I physically subdued him. Not actually true. No, um, I challenged him to stay and he did, graciously. And by the grace of the Holy Spirit in me to bring about a little bit of self-awareness and other-centeredness, I was able to change my posture in that conversation. I, show, I showed him uh, the same grace he had showed me. I slowed my racing heart down. Uh, I stemmed the flood of counter-arguments growing in my mind. I turned to my friend with an interest to listen, to hear him and understand what he was feeling. In the end, we hugged each other. If you're a vaccinated person, what do you know about the thoughts and feelings of those who are vaccine hesitant in your life? Conversely, if you're a vaccine hesitant person, what do you know about the thoughts and feelings of the vaccinated people in your life? Here's some of the things I'm hearing. Some of my vaccinated friends got vaccinated because they think the vaccines are safe and that they are the safest way to avoid getting COVID. They think every generation rolls up its sleeve at some point to protect the next generation. They think they have to place their trust in someone and why not place that trust in the doctor they have trusted so far in their lives. And they think the vaccines are the quickest way out of this pandemic. But some of them also think their vaccine-hesitant friends are selfish 
and keeping us from the end of this pandemic by not getting vaccinated. Which sounds a lot like uh, grumbling against each other, not bearing with each other, and passing judgment on one another, doesn't it? Some of my vaccine-hesitant friends are waiting because they aren't sure if the vaccines are safe. They think there are alternative ways to stay healthy and to avoid contracting the virus. They think that rolling up their sleeve is a matter of personal choice, as is true for all vaccinations. And they think that the government has overstepped its mandate by mandating the vaccines for some public sector workers. But some of them also think their vaccinated friends have been duped by mainstream media and have simply sided with the majority to avoid persecution and to get on with their lives, which sounds a lot like grumbling against each other, not bearing with each other, and passing judgment on one another. Right? What, like, what if there was a third way? What would it take to be at peace with each other, to love one another, and to live in harmony with one another? Well, I, I think, in part, it's doing what the leadership of the church has been doing and saying for some time now. Listen to understand, not to win an argument or prove a point. Rely on the Spirit of God for self-control. Speak with gentleness and respect. Graciously agree to disagree if that's what it comes to. Focus on what you have in common, what you agree on. Namely, Jesus Christ and the mission of his church. Talk about these things. Do these things together. And by the way, all these things, all these ways depend on you not the other person. And speaking of your leadership team, we have prayed and talked about this issue quite a bit recently. I have received emails asking for the church to take a stand against vaccinations towards religious exemption. And I have received other emails asking for the church to ask for proof of vaccination upon entry for worship. I am inviting you to join me and our leadership team in a third space to be at peace with each other, to love one another, to live in harmony with each other, acknowledging that we are different parts in the body of Christ with different feelings and thoughts on this subject, on this subject but, but parts of one whole. Here's a statement from the leadership team of the church on this topic to help people understand their thoughts. Cedar Valley Church cares about the safety and inclusivity of those who participate in the life of the church. We acknowledge that, like the general population, there are some among us who are vaccinated and some who are not vaccinated. Because this is so, we continue to adhere to the guidelines of our public health officers, and we have returned to universal health protocols, which include hand sanitization, six-foot spacing, staying at home if you're sick, and the wearing of masks, out of consideration for one another and until further notice. The leadership team of the church continues to turn to our Lord and his word for wisdom and guidance, continues to digest and discern our PHO guidelines and continues to invite the church 
to act in unity such that when we do not agree with each other, we choose to love one another anyway. How can we work together as one? Just don't be a stumbling block. This idea of a stumbling block, which is a metaphor that is exactly as it sounds, can be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, when, where Paul reminds the infant Corinthian church that, well, meat is just meat, and like there's only one God. But he says not everyone knows this. Verse 7, meaning this, some were having a hard time eating the meat that would be left over from sacrifices to other gods, not the one God. The gospel, Paul had argued previously, was Jesus and nothing. In other words, they were free to eat meat. Even still, Paul encouraged those who knew this to be sensitive to those who didn't. The principle seems clear, actually, to be considerate of others who are growing in their faith and, and certain subject matters in particular, which I would argue those of us growing in our faith is, is everyone. As it relates to our specific example, imagine you are on a roadway with a line right down the middle, vaccinated people going one way on one side of the road and vaccine-hesitant people going the other way on the other side of the road. See what I did there? Okay. If I were a vaccinated person and I felt like I knew that I was right, I could still choose to be at peace with my vaccine-hesitant friends by meeting them outside at a safe distance or online because I might still be a carrier and not want to be the reason for their funeral or vice versa. I could still choose to love them by listening to understand why they choose to not get vaccinated yet and to empathize with the isolation and persecution that their choice has created for them as opposed to judging them. And I could still choose to bless and serve them and so live in harmony with them, even though I wouldn't agree with them on this point. If I were a vaccine hesitant person and I feel like I knew that I was right, I could still choose to be at peace with my vaccinated friends by letting them know I'm not vaccinated yet and let them do what they would with that information, even if that means some time apart, I could still choose to love them by keeping my distance when feeling sick, sanitizing my hands, wearing a mask if they would get together with me. If they weren't too afraid, they might still be infected by me even though they're vaccinated. And I could still choose to live in harmony with them by not participating in some things and letting them know out of sensitivity to their concerns. In other words, we could choose to meet each other on the line down the middle in that third space. How could the church work together as one? Uh, do good to all people. I think it's safe to say that we're all pretty tired of this pandemic. Like, we're tired by this divisive and polarizing vaccine conversation. We're tired of trying to understand and apply the PHO guidelines. We're tired of wearing masks. And we're, we're actually pretty tired of being tired. Interestingly, Paul said this to the church in Galatia at a time when he was similarly tired. 
let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good. There it is to all people, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Here's the context. There was a group of young Jewish converts who were insisting that they keep alive some of the Jewish customs of their former faith, particularly circumcision. As we've already said, Paul preached the gospel of Jesus plus nothing. So Paul was frustrated that this group was trying to add to the finished and perfect work of Jesus Christ. So much so that he said in that same book, Galatians in chapter 5 verse 12, as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. So Paul was pretty tired. And yet he says what he says in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 6, don't grow weary in doing good. Perseverance will have its fruit. Keep doing good to all people, but especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. For our purposes here, we're all tired, right? But let me invite you, don't grow weary in maintaining the unity of the church. Be at peace with each other. Love one another. Live in harmony with one another. Why, why is this such a big deal? There's lots of reasons, I'm sure, but I've landed on two. Because unity glorifies God like nothing else. It's an answer to Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17. It's a testimony of the power of God that the body, the building, the brothers and sisters of Jesus, as different as those body and building parts and spiritual siblings are, they can yet one another, one another, and do good things to all people with God and then cause a watching world to wonder how on earth does that happen? And then because unity is what the world needs, this world does not need the church to imitate it, not its divided politics, not its polarized socialization. This world needs an alternative. It needs to see different parts working together as one. This is why one of our core values at Cedar Valley Church is unity, and this is how we measure it. How am I valuing relationships above my opinion? Stay with me. Uh, in a moment, we're going to do a little discussion time. John and I hammering down in a practical way and in a personal way the teachings that we've just absorbed. So stay tuned. I'm just going to pray for us, and then John will join me. Father, there isn't anything, I don't think, like unity that reveals who you are. Because as we think about it, for us to just even get along, but better yet, to, to act as one when we disagree on these kinds of things is, is phenomenal. And I am sure people look at it and say, how does that happen? We agree, Father, that what unites us isn't, uh, well, what it is, is your son, 
your word to us, those core and fundamental beliefs. And so I pray that we would gravitate towards those, that our conversations would be less about vaccine or not, even this pandemic and how tired we are, but more about your son, what he means to us, and loving our neighbor. It's like, I don't know, I just think that's kind of a better way to spend the time, even understanding that we are tired. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay tuned. Yep. All right, we're back. And uh, as I was saying, even coming into this segment, this is our attempt at trying to put shoe leather onto what we have just learned together. Me too, actually. I was challenged in, in writing and studying for it. Uh, so we have a couple of questions, two of them actually. One is sort of like diagnostic and one is sort of like, hey, what action are we going to take on that? So you see the first one in the back here. I'll read it to you so that you, I mean, I'm just, well, maybe you can't see it. That's why I'll read it to you. So here we go. How have I disrupted the unity of the church? Ooh, that's rough. Talking about, so here are some examples. Talking about someone instead of going to them and asking them a question that might clarify, judging others is flat out, uh, gossiping about others, uh, huddling with like-mindedness, uh, others at, at the back of the church to fuel my point of view, like is any of this sort of registering, something else, like how have I disrupted the unity of the church? John? Yeah. Um... Yeah, that is a loaded personal question. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, more so maybe even just like outside of Cedar Valley and in like the general church, like maybe at like ministries at Camp Squia or something Okay. Um, that I've done. I feel like it, sometimes a lot of things can be very like clicky um, and sort of like with like-mindedness. Yes. And others. Um, and yeah, just sort of hanging out your own crowd and you know, that can lead to judgment of others, um, yeah. differently thinking people and gossiping and all that. Totally, I think so. long before social media's algorithms was feeding us a steady diet of what we were searching for, mm. we were already doing this, right? Yeah. Finding people yeah. who share our opinions so we can feel better about our opinions, so we can feel stronger about judging the other persons, right? Yes, yeah. For sure. And you heard uh, one example in my teaching of where I didn't listen very well at all. So how have I just, I just, I didn't listen. I needed to listen better. I know for me personally too, I can go to judgy pretty quickly. And I have to sort of guard my heart and my mind against that sort of like, oh, you're judging. Dial that down, big fella. And I do need, I do most of the time, but I do find sometimes I don't go to the person to ask the question, to clarify. Yeah. Not quick enough. And I'm getting better at it. Does that happen to you too? Yeah, it's... I was thinking about this. Um, it's, it's so much easier and... Or it seems easier and faster to just be like, I'm angry because this person disagrees with me or this thing inconveniences me. Right. And it's like, well, why don't you go talk to them about that? And it's like, we don't care about that. Because it's way easier to stay here yeah, yeah. and just be judgy. Yeah, and it's, right? yeah, it's so much easier to just like stay where you are and it's like, no, I don't care about like 
them or what they're doing. I just care that it inconveniences me or goes against my yeah. beliefs. It's like, okay, that's a, that's a you problem then, and that's yeah. on you. <laughs> that's that's really insightful, actually. Yeah, it's not me. You mean you're the problem? Why do I need to go talk to you about it? Paul says destroy speculation, and I take that to mean broadly speaking, just go talk to them, and don't assume that. You understand why they think and feel the things they do, right? Yeah. Okay, question two, you ready? Yeah. Shoe leather, baby, let's go. Uh, how about that? Okay, take that, John. What steps will I take this week to sustain the unity of the church? As we talked about it, it's not something we create as much as we sustain. Connect with someone to hear their story. Uh, call someone to apologize. Meet with people who disagree with me or read articles that challenge my opinions, something else. And we talked about this coming on the camera. It might be more positive than that. It might be more like, hey, just drop by, care for someone, uh, create a meal, drop off a gift. Yeah. What I do think, you think? This week, yeah. John, what are you going to do? I'm going to call you. Okay. I might call you. I don't know. We'll I shouldn't see. say that on video, but I'm going to call you. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it is all about like caring for people, right? Mm -hmm. I think. I think honestly a good way to do that is to like try and like put actual effort into learn and grow so if you read your bible or something then it's like that can change the way you view something like that'll be huge and that'll that will care for other people and that'll if you get to see other sides of things that can that can sustain unity I think. Yeah so. I, I totally agree I think you can uh, go to the bible and let Jesus, his spirit said to you, really? Really? Yep. And you go, ah, yeah, I feel just, ah. Okay, that's a great point, Holy Spirit, working in me. What am I going to do about that now? And, I, and then I think then you go and get that sort of, but I love what you said initially, just don't go and do something good. So that expresses the unit, even though we're divided, it's sort of like in my relationship with Jackie, my wife, uh, we don't agree on everything all the time, right? Like, you don't agree with Paige on everything all the time, right? Nope. Your sister? But we, you love her, right? Yeah. And I love my wife. So we, we do good things e for each, even when we don't agree. So maybe that's what I'll do this week. Something good for someone who I know we're, we don't see eye to eye on this subject matter or something else. Any yeah. last thoughts? Um, no? No, I think you... <laughs> You nailed it. Okay. We nailed it, John. Yes. You nail it where you are. Take yeah. some action this week. Look at your heart. Talk to Jesus. Read the word because that is where it all starts and ends in your relationship with Jesus and being aligned with the will of God. Peace, Cedar Valley.